The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to Anastasia Amoroso, Chief Investment Strategist at iCapital. Anastasia, the, the Fed's uh, news conference was very interesting with Jerome Powell. He really covered a lot there, and uh, you know, credit to the questions coming in, but also his, his poise. And I think he did deflect people now away from the pace of tightening, and we're, we're more focused on the, on the terminal rate, whether we can get up over 5% now. Uh, but it's very important that he talked about the cumulative effect, of the tightening and the lag effect. Um, where do we go from here for this Fed? Yeah, this was a big reality check for the markets because you're right, everybody anticipated that the Fed will focus on the cumulative degree of tightening that is still to hit the economy, and they certainly acknowledge that, but it, very quickly, the Powell actually pivoted away from that, and the big game changer is that while the markets were anticipating and the Fed was anticipating for them to maybe pause around 4.6, 4.9%, we now have a 5 handle, 5% handle uh, across priced in across the market. And this is really kind of a pivotal point because in the same breath, Fed Chair Powell said that we don't really know how high we're going to have to take the rate, but it seems like 5% is at least that level because at that level that would surpass the the rate of core inf- PCE inflation of 5.1%. But again, there's a ways to go to get to the terminal rate that was really unnerving for the markets. But the next step is clearly, the next stop is clearly 5%, but we just don't know if we're actually going to stop there. Yeah, a ways to go. Um, It's going to be very interesting to get the next dot plot as well. What do you expect that's going to look like? Well, we got a very strong hint uh, from Fed Chair Powell that the next set of dots is going to be higher in December than what we got in September. Uh, and it seems like it could be materially higher, which makes sense given some of the inflation developments and the labor market developments. Uh, clearly, the Fed has not been getting what it wants on inflation. It's not. It's been stubbornly high. It's not coming down. He mentioned that uh, goods inflation is not coming down as fast as they'd like and service inflation is heating up. And then at the same time, the labor market just continues to be so resilient in the U.S. The job openings continue to be up there and the pace of job creation has slowed, but it's still very healthy. It's not falling off the cliff. So that means that the Fed wants to get to restrictive rate territory and that restrictive rate territory may still have to be higher. So I suspect that one of the key risks to watch coming into December is going to be a more material reset uh, in rate trajectory. So Never mind what he thinks. I want to know what you think. Does the path through 5% for the Fed funds rate include recession? I think it does. Uh, I think it does. I think anybody who is paying attention to a variety of economic indicators really can't rule out a recession. And there's a number of measures to point to, whether it's the Fed's preferred uh, measure of yield curve three month to 10 year, whether it's just the implied probabilities from all the economic indicators are at 51% right now. The historical probability is 18. 
And Anastasia, when we left off, you were mentioning that uh, you don't see us getting out of this tightening cycle without a recession. But I want to take a look at that market reaction as well. A bit of a head fake, really, from the Fed. Uh, markets initially responding positively and then selling off as Jay Powell spoke. But why does the market keep misreading the Fed? Uh, inflation is high. Uh, jobs data is strong. It's been pretty unambiguous about the path forward. But mm. is hope getting ahead of reality here? Well, I think to give a little bit of credit to the markets, uh, if you read the statement, you would have assumed that the Fed is kind of getting ready to maybe slow down, maybe pivot, even though it's gonna, they're still going to hold uh, rates pretty high because they're concerned about how much they've done so quickly and what the lagged effects of that is going to be. So I think the markets were right to kind of read that initially positively. But where the markets, I think, do keep misreading the Fed and just the inflationary episode is that we're expecting a quick resolution to this inflationary episode. And that's not what history suggests. If you look at the last prior inflationary episodes, the last seven of them prior to this one, the median time that it took from the time that inflation spiked above 2% for it to eventually settle back down towards 2%, the median number of months is 30 months. And here we are maybe 20 months into this, which still suggests it's not a number of weeks or a couple of months, but we still could be in this for the bulk of 2023. So that's where I think the markets keep misreading the Fed. They keep wanting a quick resolution and not getting it. And look, the reality is that if the Fed does raise rates towards 5%, that's a significant, a very high hurdle rate that any investment has to overcome. And with yeah, supported equities uh, was low rates, which we don't have anymore. But we can get used to it. I, I mean, I think zero interest rates were bad in the sense that it pushed a lot of people, uh, savers and some investors, into very risky investments and a lot of, of leverage to make it work. It would get back to a, a range of interest rates between 3 to 5%, assuming that you get inflation eventually down sort of below that range. It's probably overall better for the economy, don't you think? I do agree with you. I think there's something extremely healthy about finally getting out of this 14-year pretty much zero interest rate policy. And one of the silver linings that we talk about now is there's no rush to get back into the equity markets. And the reason for that is because cash actually pays something today. It is a placeholder and you can hide out in cash and there's not this opportunity cost. And of course, inflation still erodes a portion of that return, but at least cash pays something. So I think that's that's a big game changer. I do also agree with you that a lot of leverage built up in parts of the system that needed to be flushed out. You know, Maybe some of that is crypto. Maybe some of that is the floating rate securities and leveraged loan market. A lot of the debt has been accumulated there. The U.S. leveraged loan market tripled in size mm -hmm. since, the, since the financial crisis, and the credit quality has deteriorated. So that happens when you build complacency about where rates are going next. So I think we are going to yeah, have to grapple with that You need only look at the, uh, at the U.K. pension market. That's right. That's right. And in the U.S., we don't have the same extent of the exposure, for example, the percentage of pension fund assets that are allocated to treasuries is lower than what was allocated to gilts in the U.K. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, anybody who's been reliant on low interest rates, whether it's borrowers uh, borrowing in floating rate or whether it's in Europe, for example, um, the, the mortgage market, a lot of the countries in Europe um, are financing those mortgages through floating rate. And the Euribor went from negative 40 basis points to 20, 40 basis points to over 2%. That's where some of the risks lie today. 
So cash can pay you something. Where else can you go to wait out this tightening cycle and get a return? So I do like parts of the credit market. I mentioned I'm not a big fan of the publicly traded leveraged loan markets because I think they are subject to some of the reckoning that's to come and the technical dislocations. But you can look to high yield, for example, where the yield towards is approaching 10% and the credit quality in high yield actually has improved. You could also look to the private credit space where those middle market loans are still floating rate securities, but they don't have the same mark-to-market issue. They don't have the same technical dislocations than the syndicated loan market does, for example. And they do have private credit sponsorship, private equity sponsorship. So I mm-hmm. suspect a lot more support for those loans. All right. Anastasia Amoroso, Chief Investment Strategist at iCapital. Great insights. Thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.